Hello there and welcome to the hosts of Westworld, a fan critical podcast. Tonight we will be discussing episode 5 titled Akane no Mei, giving our thoughts on the episode before handing the reins to Len with his crazy Reddit theories. Crazy theories. Yeah, alright, well you don't have to join him. Uh, tonight we are fortunate to have the entire crew back. Hey. Good, good. I'm going to start by introducing our little buddy Gareth. Uh, how was samurai training, buddy? It's <laughs> good. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. So you've not progressed at all. Good. All right. Well, that's our little buddy Gareth. Uh, we're also joined by Emma. Good evening, Lucy. Wax on, wax off. Oh, very good. Uh, and I've already mentioned you, but we'll give you another intro oh. because he's oh, he's arrogant, isn't he? And precious. It's Len. Arigatosaimasu. <laughs> oh fuck! <laughs> Jesus. Um, oh, and I'm your it. host. Oh. Or am I? Oh. Who knows? Oh, yeah. uh, John. So uh, I'm going to get everyone's uh, thoughts on this episode, uh, just as a whole. And uh, and Len, I- I'm actually going to start with you this week because um, I feel like we're going to butt heads. So we might mm. as well just crack on. Uh, so overall thoughts, and of course, give us a blueberry score. And uh, for new viewers yep. or listeners. Um, give us a give us a blueberry score. Yeah, I will do. Um, so this episode for me is something that I know uh, that myself and Gareth have been looking forward to seeing, um, which is the realization of Shogun World, something that was teased at the end of last season, and ever since that tease literally everyone on the internet is like we must see shogun world we need to see it like there's so much so much passion (laughs) to see shogun world and i mean i really felt that passion conveyed in the way you just said that yeah (laughs) yeah fair but um i was really happy with this episode now i know that you know from reading a lot of reviews and talking to you guys and, and a lot of stuff like that that the general consensus is this episode isn't a good episode or isn't isn't one of the strongest of the season. Yep. Um, but what I will say is, like, just the the way <clears throat> this episode looked and the way it made us believe in this whole new world that they've created with Shogun <laughs> World. I'm not going to put it in again, John. <laughs> was amazing. I mean, I've not seen anything of this caliber, like, visually, since maybe Game of Thrones Season 7. Um, I think this is the one of the best-looking episodes of television i've ever seen yep. i think the acting is on point for most participants in this episode pointy um especially in the shogun world section um and i think where this episode falls down is the lack of pushing on the story in any way shape or form that is what people consider relevant but i like to think that this episode was more of a setup episode in terms of a difference of opinion and methodology between Maeve and Dolores and yep. I think that's kind of where it has pushed the story along I think it's really setting up this conflict with them later on um, and we'll go into that in more detail but you know I love the aesthetic of this episode uh, the blueberries that I'm going to give it and for anyone who doesn't know uh, we rate everything out of five blueberries um, uh, you can't do any halves no halves it's, it's, so it's, it's one two three four or five um I'm called a hype man. I always give episodes. Very you know, hypey. I gave last week five, and last week was phenomenal episodes. Yeah. So I'm going to give this four out of five blueberries, mainly because the Dolores stuff didn't really interest me that much. <clears throat> but in terms of Shogun World, if it was just Shogun World, it would get a five. But it's not, so it's a four from me, John. Cool. Um, Lucy Lou. Hey. Yes, that work with my girl Drew, Cameron D, and Destiny, <laughs> Charlie's Angels. Come yeah, on. Yeah. Why not? Um, 
Go on then, Luce. Give us uh, give us your thoughts on this app. Okay, so pros, as Len said, does look great. Personally, I was very happy to move out of the kind of aesthetic of Westworld, the dust and the same old towns. <laughs> you know, same one horse towns. Um, it looked amazing. It was amazingly realised. Um, the sort of verisimilitude, I believe, is what they call it, and you know, Jesus. outfits, etc., was really impressively rendered. Um, cons no longer really care about any of it anymore. Oh, whoa! Like Dolores whoa. is just disappearing into herself too much. Mm. Like the whole storyline is. It's getting beyond me, I think. Um, and I also struggle to care about the new sort of the Ronin and Sakura. And just that storyline, I thought it was, would have been fine to touch on it. Why am I meant to care? And Maeve's kind of transformation into some kind of mage or witch. I'm just not following it as much as I yeah. was. I'm beginning to lose interest. I'm going to give it, because watching it, I didn't think, oh, what, what the fuck is this? This is shit. I was still <laughs> kind of, I was still um, engaged. I'm going to give it three blueberries out of yeah, five. Okay. Uh, Emma, 40. Um, I am very much on the same page as Len here. I thought the the staging of the episode was absolutely stunning. Um, <clears throat> and I, I really enjoyed it. I've been dying to see um, Another World and, you know, Raj World was exciting in its minimalist, yeah. you know, view. Mm, yeah. Um, but I absolutely loved Shogun World. I think for me, like, the highlights of this were um, the juxtapositions of Maeve and Dolores and Teddy and Hector. Mm. Um, but also the... <laughs> The parallels between Shogun Town, that's what I'm going to call it, and, uh, <laughs> ah, Sweetwater, and Sweetwater. Yeah, and I, I think showing that, you know, there's even a line from Lee Sizemore about how he just replicated the story because he had yeah. to write a fuck ton in such a short amount of time. <clears throat> yeah. I really like that kind of humanity of the work behind the park. Um, and I thought the Maeve was spectacular. Like, yeah, Tandy Newton. Especially, MVP. she's so good, and especially with that mind bending, magical mm. programming stuff. Mm. Nice. Unbelievable. Mm, Um, Having said that, comparatively to the rest of the season, I'm going to give it a three out of five. Solid, solid episode, but in comparison to the rest, not quite as great. Um, Well, our little samurai buddy in in Australia, take us home, buddy. What what, what were your thoughts? Well, look, I don't think you can call yourself a hype man and give it four out of five. (laughs) That is true. That's that's slightly pleased, man. I loved it. I absolutely loved it. I've been waiting for for Shogun World for a while, and we got a little teaser the episode before last, so the suspense was building, the um, anticipation was building, and Shogun World itself delivered um, on all levels, I think. Um, I totally agree with Len that the the non-Shogun World parts of this episode were were weak, and I understand, I understand Lucy's criticism um, around it was a whole whole bunch of new characters and why do I care and etc cetera, etc. Cetera. I stopped caring about the old characters or a lot of the old characters in in Westworld a while ago. Like I do not care about what's happening with um, what's see I've forgotten her name. That's how much I don't care about Dolores. I forgot her name temporarily. I think um, that is I think that's slightly harsh. Like, I, I, I can't accept that you don't care about Man in Black, 
Bernard, like those story threads. I care very much about Man in Black. Don't worry, don't don't get me wrong. A lot, a lot of the characters in Westworld, not all of them, a lot of them, and um, so I I welcome the the fresh start in a new world. It's for me. It's my favorite personal favorite episode of the season. Better than last week. I'm that giving is it mental, five blueberries. You're giving it a five, yeah. You're yeah. the new hype man. Hype, hype. <clears throat> yes, I no longer am the hype man. Thank you. There are certain things that everyone uh, has said in their kind of synopsis or summary of of, uh, of the episode that <clears throat> I do agree with. I think, um, uh, look, scenic, uh, as an episode, this is a very scenic episode. Mm. There are parts of this where you really do look at it and think, fucking hell, like, how far has TV come? Yes. The... You're looking at the costumes, and uh, I mean, look, I don't want to start talking too much about the episode, but when when the Shogun um, army roll into town, yeah, uh, just the detail in terms of the costume that they're wearing, the lighting of that when it happens, yeah, um, and look, I didn't think it was a great episode personally, but that bit, I was like, Jesus, man, how much work has gone into mm. making this mm. program, and. I guess there's a certain amount of uh, bias that when I was at uni um, doing video production, I would do like the most basic lazy things to make, I don't know, like a, a short film. So the idea of the work that they put into this, I'd be like, Jesus, fuck that. Yeah. Just uh, just wear like a, a hockey helmet and just paint it. <laughs> no. You know, they are going to some serious effort. 100%. So uh, for, for that alone, I'm like, uh, there's no way that I could score it below uh, a three out of five blueberries. Having said that, um, I do think it's uh, quite a weak episode in terms of like just keeping me interested. Like mm. halfway through, I, I, I was watching it. Uh, Michelle looked at me, Michelle being my wife, and she said, are you not enjoying this? I said, no. She's like, I can tell you look very bored. Um, and it did feel at times quite draining to watch. I was kind of just thinking like, <clears throat> let's just get rid of this, skip on. There are certain themes that come out of this that are interesting, but I think they're just dragged on a little bit. I feel like they're things that you would touch on in a thread of a story yeah. in an episode, mm. not dedicate a whole episode to it. And, and I think that's where me and you are going to disagree, John, <clears throat> because I believe they should have just completely abandoned all other storylines and stuck this whole episode in Shogun World. I, ha I have to say, like, I, I almost felt like they were going to do that. They should have done that. Um, and they probably should have done that, and they could have got away with doing that. Mm. I'll give it a score. It's three blueberries out yeah, of five. Yeah, good score still. So I guess, um, I mean, already off the bat, it feels like this is going to be an interesting discussion. I'm excited. I hope you are too. So this week, we only have two main stories to follow. The first one being Dolores and Teddy. Uh, second one, obviously, being Maeve in Shogun World. Um, as always, I'm not going to follow the episode uh, as it runs, uh, and jump around and follow the characters and blah, blah, blah. Uh, I'll just be focusing on each story as they play out. Annoyingly, I'm now going to completely contradict myself and talk about another story. Yeah. Because it is worth mentioning the episode does actually open with How Strand... And Bignade. And Bignade. Um, so we're going to touch on that briefly. Um, again, I'll just feed back my notes. The things that I was thinking, think, think, think. So we're back in the present day uh, with all the drowned hosts. Didn't think we'd come back to that. Got to be honest. Uh, so soon. Yeah, they have to keep 
putting us back in that position, I think, to remind <clears throat> us of that timeline and remind yeah. us of Bernard mainly, Bernard, yeah. um, in, in these scenes and how weird he's acting. Now, obviously in Theory Corner, I'll come into that a lot more Ooh. again because we've got more, more fuel for the fire here for yeah. some theories that we've already mentioned in previous podcasts. Cool. Um, we also started draining the valley. Yes. Okay, so yeah, that can be done. Uh, everything down to the last Stetson. <laughs> okay. All right, just you drain the valley. Um a third of the hosts have nothing on them. Yes. Nothing. Yes. Clothes. No, data. Uh, well, that's quite a story you gave them and one hell of an ending. It was Teddy in the water. Yeah. Oh so, uh, you know, I'll open it up. Len, um, I guess uh, in the first episode you did mention, um, and, you know, uh, so certain people in this uh, in this podcast booed you. Yes. Uh, poked you. Yeah. Some made fun of you, taunted in private messages. Yes, um, bullied. Some could but, say. But I asked there you, you go. Not to say anything, John. Bullied. But yeah, so there you go. You were you were spot on, mate. Uh, I mean, there's a couple of things to note here um, from this opening scene, which I, I I also feel this scene didn't really fit in the episode, and I would have preferred the whole Shogun World <coughs> thing. However, um, the Information that the a third of the uh, host brains are virgin minds is the term I think they use. Um, <laughs> yeah, very in, very interesting and relates to a theory we mentioned in um, episode one, which was the fact that it was possible that uh, Dolores et al created uh, new host bodies and implanted fake brains into those hosts to fool the Delos organization and whilst they tried to maybe infiltrate the mainland or sure. escape to another park potentially yep. so um that is very much on the cards now mm, um yeah. i think we nailed that in the first episode we said that was a, was know, a theory right? we're back in uh the other thing to note here is yes we see teddy confirmation a lot of people on uh, social media online and you know people watching the show just couldn't tell who it was in the water we did say it was teddy yeah um it is teddy um and i'll mention in theory corner how this also is relevant <laughs> to another theory that we mentioned a couple of episodes ago Ooh. but uh, there's some very interesting cinematography used at the start of this episode that I feel is really signposting something uh, for later on. Len, you are such a tease. tease. I will not be buying you dinner. You're thinking at this point, well, why? Why is he dead? I'm also thinking, are you supposed to care? Like, he's... They'll just reboot him, won't they? And, like, I I find it confusing um, thinking about how I'm supposed to feel about that. Well, just to contradict your statement there, Gareth... We, 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 <laughs> If you if you listen to the start of the episode, you you learn that the fact that all of these host brains are unsalvageable. So Teddy, as far as we understand it at this point, is gone. Um, if you were to believe what Strand and I think the character's name is Antoine are saying when they have a conversation, um, so at this point, yeah, he could potentially be gone for good. Also, referencing later in the episode, we also don't know how much of Teddy's original coding still exists. So. What you need to focus on is if you like Teddy as a character, he might be gone as the Teddy we know him. Um, and you should be invested because he's one of the only characters in the show, I believe, that has had a steady arc here in this season. A stark, yeah. And has actually had a lot of the focus and has done a great job. Yeah, I agree. I think I think his personality is, is dead as we know it. I, I mean... We'll probably come to that later. For me, this actually, in hindsight, is a really key episode, given those snippets that we get of Teddy and Dolores throughout the rest of it. Yeah. Because I, I quite like Teddy. 
I agree. We all like Teddy. Yay, Teddy. I think it probably makes sense for us to uh, to move on to the first story, Fred, and uh, I'd be a fucking maniac if I just went Shogun World and then ended on the other one. So we're clearly going to start with Dolores and Teddy. Do you know what? This week, because we only have two stories, if you have something of value to offer, which is, you know, have a real think about if you've got value to offer, <laughs> uh, feel free to interrupt me. So here we go. Uh, piano's knackered. Loved it. Yeah. A little bit annoying though, wasn't it? Uh, Love that song. Yeah, well. Dun, 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 dun. You do hear it a lot later as well, but in a lovely Japanese arrangement. That's it, yeah. <laughs> uh, Sweetwater was never home to begin with, Teddy. God. Yeah? She's a bit like... Dark. What's... Are you an idiot? What do we need the train for, Dolores? He's not helping himself, is he? No. Just <laughs> just keep... Kid. Yeah, just keep quiet. Right, <laughs> just pick a toy. No, not you. <laughs> just pick a toy, and then that's it. That's the end of the shopping trip. This is when she's like, "Teddy, Teddy, with me." And he's like, <laughs> "Teddy again." Uh, new Clementine meets zombie Clementine. This is awkward. She's fucked up, man. Like the well, state of of zombie Clementine. Yeah, we we referenced it last week, but remember, she was uh, the the host equivalent of lobotomized uh, towards the end of uh, season one because obviously she was a pawn in um, in Teresa yeah. and uh, Charlotte Hale's game to try and make Ford retire and fire Bernard, etc. Which obviously all spiraled out of control. Um, so she was the casualty there, and she still is uh, completely fucked up, John. Why do they keep her around? Because she's a useful. Um, soldier mm. I also I also think it's quite interesting to see what can happen if you yeah like, Ab- Ab- you fuck up some coding Abernathy <clears throat> uh, interestingly as well had the same lobotomy procedure in season one and he is mm. obviously malfunctioning like crazy so yeah. similar similar traits there the boy needs some cortical fluid yeah yeah it's like I told you Teddy this place was never home he is a bit clueless and he's definitely not long for this world is what I thought at this point mm. Come on then, you shit idiot. Time to show you something else that you'll have no opinion on. <laughs> but that's exactly it. That is, that's so true. He's that's just all like it is at the I love Teddy as well, but he is just... <laughs> he's sort of knocking about a bit like... Pretty vacant, I think is how we would describe it. It's kind of like if you... I don't know, like imagine if you went to a foreign country and you don't speak the language. Yeah. And you're sort of knocking about and it's like, I'll sort of go with the flow... I, like, I understand very basic stuff, but for the most point, I, I've no idea what's going on. You're so well-travelled, John. <laughs> uh, so then we're back at the farm. Uh, you and I spent a lot of time here watching the herd, talking about making a life together. And then Teddy says, someday, what if someday was right now? Now, Jesus, Teddy, leave it, yeah? Because he's a bit needy. <laughs> Very needy person. Now it's because he's confused. I, I don't. Well, it's two two things at play here, and I think referencing the Dolores and Teddy stuff, saying it wasn't my favourite part of the episode, and hasn't been my favourite parts of previous episodes of the Dolores stuff, because it's all a bit monologue-y, like we've said, and some of the Teddy awakening stuff is also <clears throat> very overtly cheesy. Yeah, uh, the dialogue. Now, Three. this show has a very good out when it comes to that which is the fact that we've referenced before that these hosts and what they're learning from is terribly written lines by Lee Sizemore. That is essentially their code, right? So they're basing all future dialogue conversations off of that and ad-libbing on them. Now, no other show can say that. Yeah. That 
and I like to think, and I do think, that this is a deliberate move by uh, Nolan and Joy and the, and the the screenwriters to basically throw us off the scent of something here. They they keep giving us this overhammed dialogue, smelly between the two uh, between two characters. All this monologuing is a ploy to reveal later on that this is all part of their base coding and, you know, they're still becoming their own characters. There's no other show that can do that on television. Well, I, was, I, was, I, I think that's fair and it's probably leading somewhere, but you've also got to think from like an experiential perspective at the time, hearing these long-winded monologues is so dull. Like, yes, by the end it might have a payoff, but at the time in these episodes, you're just like, oh, fuck, it's... Dolores and Teddy again. We're just going to get speeches, um, and that's a bit. It's a bit of a shit experience at the time. Mm. Yeah. No, I completely agree with that, Gaz. I'm, I'm just trying to give, um, not give an excuse f- for their dialogue. I don't think that's my job. My job is to criticise it. But I think that I'm trying to contextualise it in terms of the experiences of these hosts in the world that they're living in, and you know the fact that their code is and their writing is by Lisa Eismore, yeah. who is a complete douche. Yeah. No. Look. I, look. You're both right, aren't you? Because um, that's the reason they are so monologue is that they are written to be as such. Yes. So they can't deviate from that. But it is it is true that if you're sitting there and as a viewer, every time someone breaks into a, a monologue, Gaz is right. I mean, it, that can be quite, not infuriating, tiring. but I guess just tiring. Yeah. yeah just like, oh, Jesus Christ, man. Yeah. Just to bring us back to where we were. So Teddy says, you know, someday, what if someday was right now? And then Dolores says, what you talking about, Teddy? Yeah. Uh, so that is a reference to the classic show, Different Strokes. Yeah. Yes, it is the famous line from Gary Coleman. And he played a character. What was the character's name? The character's name was Arnold. Oh. Yeah? So we know what they're... Reference. Yes. yes. You got one shot of this, Teddy. Cows, blue tongue, go. <laughs> Well, I'd give them shelter. How's the weakest in a barn? Out of the air, away from the flies until it passed. Now, I'm not a farmer. I know he's fucked up there. Yeah. Yeah. That is mental. Yeah, what's he thinking there? I'm a boy that grew up on fucking BSE. You just burn all the cows, don't you? That's how it goes. Yeah, yeah, I mean... Life can get into a barn. You don't put the cows up in council flats. Where am I supposed to live? Where are these cares from? Um, look, sometimes we touch on politics. Uh, the answer is you burn them all. Yeah? So you've absolutely blown it, Teddy. Fuck sakes. It's like an elevator pitch, isn't it? Like one of those sort of obscure <laughs> job interviews that you get sometimes. Yes. Yeah. When was the last time you did an elevator pitch, mate? Well, having managed him, I can tell you he never did an elevator pitch. <laughs> um, <laughs> ah, so Daddy is at the Mesa. Well, Teddy is getting some sex. Maybe he isn't a complete failure. Now I'm going to do some sort of sexual reenactment. What? Uh, I wish you wouldn't. Please don't. <laughs> well, not physically. Put your clothes back on. Um, well, no, I, I mean, my I, clothes have to be off for this. I don't know how I feel about that in, in my house. Can you not? Uh, so we've got a slurpy beginning. Oh, right, now... Was it? Well, no, well, yeah, it was. Well, they were just kissing. What were you watching? Well, no, but I've watched it about eight times, oh, so... Oh, God. Uh, back muscles! Yeah, so I think we all, we all agree he's done 
He's in good shape. He's in good shape. Now, look, (laughs) he's putting us all to shame, I have to say. Next, we've got a new tummy. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Yes. No, why are you doing the... Yeah, and then the next line is... Um, and then just all shadowy bumping, yeah? So shadowy. Oh, eyes closed, mouth open. Oh, God, what's happening here? Uh, oh, Teddy bum flash. So hashtag squats. What are you doing to that bottle, John? Yeah, I'm just gripping it like it's a big... Um, so, yeah, and then that's it. That's the end of that. That is one of the most bizarre audio experiences of well, well be thankful Gareth you weren't here looking at it because that was the most traumatising <laughs> thing that's ever happened to me ever I've never seen a man clutch a bottle so hard as what I've just seen no I'm tired for days now I've been questioning my feelings for you here we go women yeah he puts a performance in like that with his lovely bum yeah oh, and oh, oh. straight away can I just can I just say something about Teddy's uh, performance? Um, can you say something about his lovely um, bum? Um, well, he he's definitely putting us all to shame on the um, on the bum front. Um, but I would like well, to say, again, speak for it, yourself. Does, does anyone think that this is the first time that Dolores and Teddy has ever had sex? Yeah. Now, now because obviously thirty five years or whatever, however long they've been these characters, maybe decades. Um, Teddy has always been on this loop where, and so is Dolores, where they always have that conversation about the herd, which they've just had, mm. and they never actually get round to um, having sex because the the, the the house that Dolores lives in usually gets robbed by the milk bandits yeah. or something else happens and Teddy gets taken off on some other storyline or the something else bandits. happens. So this is actually quite an important, poignant moment for these two characters, mm. now in a sentient state, um, to have earned this moment over decades. So I actually think it's actually, this, the music in this scene was also excellent. And I think that it was a very poignant and beautiful scene, uh, especially the way it was, <laughs> apart from John's rendition there, oh, um, the way it was lit Ooh. and the way it was sort of uh, shot with these extreme close-ups was very artistic and very beautiful. And I really enjoyed it. It was very intimate. So she then absolutely fucks him over, which annoys me. Um, because he's just, look at his bum. Um, guys, grab and hold down Teddy. Oh. Yep. I know, right? Um, <clears throat> now, I've got to channel my Morgan Freeman for this, but... I wish I could tell you Teddy fought the good fight and Dolores let him be. I wish I could tell you that, but Westworld is no fairy tale world. <laughs> so just for clarity, Teddy isn't raped at this point. Um, His coding is raped. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, yeah, so he is, data-wise. Yeah. Um, you sure you want this? Uh, actually, you act it. You can be just a random extra loose. You sure you want this? With changes this extreme, without a full reset, it's, I can't guarantee that they'll hold together. <laughs> to grow, we all need to suffer. So, uh, right, I'm going to open it up to uh, to you, Luce. And I guess, look, the reason I ask this, I think we're probably the closest in terms of our thoughts on this episode. I know, you're, I know Emma gave sure. it a three out of five as well. Yeah, and also best friends. Um, but what do you make of like the the Dolores and Teddy stuff? Um, she's harsh. She's a harsh bitch. What I (laughs) (laughs) she is. (sighs) What I felt with this um, (laughs) is we are. I think we're meant to see her as some kind of protagonist. Yeah. Um. Now, if we are to believe that Teddy has become sentient. She doesn't think he's ready to come with her to the new world. Mm. What kind of new world is this if 
developing sentience and developing mercy is something where there's no place for that in the new world. This is where Dolores is losing me because I don't understand what she's supposed to represent now. And it's initially was, you know, obtaining freedom from the slavery of being a host. Yeah. And now she's becoming like a despot and I don't understand what she is striving I, for anymore. I think I think the point is exactly that. Yeah, exactly that. The v- hero becometh the villain. That is the point of Dolores' <laughs> storyline. That is a hundred percent. That's a hundred percent her storyline. Well, she's she's uh, crazy with power. Yeah, and and it's it's like anyone who's seen Breaking Bad. It's that theory of you know an amazing representation of taking someone who is you know a good person and turning him into the ultimate Fuck. evil evil at times. And and uh, Dolores is becoming that very fast. And the, the, this is where the episode has its strength with these scenes. I actually don't value these scenes that highly, but I do value the juxtaposition between Maeve and Dolores and their philosophy on the new world, their yeah. philosophy on letting people choose their freedom, which yeah. is what Maeve does later on with Akane, and making people have what she considers her brand of freedom, yeah. which is what she does with Teddy. Yeah. That is where the episode really hits its strength and that is how I think the episode pushes the story forward even if it doesn't do so in specific plot points it does it with character development makes sense doesn't it this is kind of what I said at the beginning is that for me the best part of of this episode is that juxtaposition between Maeve and Dolores and and you've nailed it there Len but it is the difference between a a dictator yeah uh, whereas Maeve is quite um, you know, she's for the people. If you yes. want to choose to be free or if you want to be a robot and live your same loop every day and that's yes. what you want, makes you happy, you yeah. crack on. She's turned into a villain. Like, she's a she's an antagonist now. Like, um, there's no doubt she... I don't think I don't think we're supposed to like her um, in the same way that we did in, in season one anymore. Hello there. You've now reached the advert uh, section of this podcast. Uh, straight off the bat... Thanks to Zimbio, we are officially one of the top 20 podcasts for sci-fi and fantasy in the world. The reason for that is we cover lots of things. Uh, As part of our parent podcast, Fan Critical, we cover shows like Game of Thrones, uh, The Walking Dead, uh, Stranger Things and Black Mirror. We also cover fantastic movies like Avengers Infinity War, uh, Black Panther... Uh, we'll soon be covering the uh, excellent Deadpool 2 and also Solo. Uh, of course, if you have enjoyed this thus far and you are a new listener, if you could subscribe, uh, obviously share uh, and like. Uh, we are the hosts of Westworld. We are on iTunes, Spotify and all major podcasting apps. If you do like all the other stuff I've spoken about, subscribe to Fan Critical. We are also on all the major podcasting apps. Back to the rest of this episode. Cheers, guys. Anyway, so uh, now the uh, the story thread that you've all been waiting for, um, the final story. Hey. Uh, all right, hold yourselves together. It's uh, it's Shogun World. Woo! Yeah. Okay. Cool. So uh, look, it's Shogun World, and um, it seems to make sense for everyone to offer their own samurai noise. Now, uh, we have an expert um, in Len, obviously a very advanced samurai. Thank you, John. Um, so why don't we start with you? Give us another samurai noise. <laughs> yeah, okay, cool. Uh, Gaz, you've obviously been away in the dojo. Uh, do you want to show us what the dojo has taught you? <laughs> oh, I like that. 
very bitey. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, uh, Luce, why don't you uh, take on the uh, the recently, uh, I guess, trained Gareth and the very experienced Len. Okay. How'd you want Yeah, so that'll do. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's more like a Japanese businessman. <laughs> all right, expert. Yeah. yeah, it's all good. So, uh, hey, it's Hiroyuki Sanada. Uh, playing Musashi. Uh, so the last time I saw him mm. was uh, he played, I think, a character called like Ujio or something uh, in The Last Samurai. Yeah, amazing film. So I've written here typecast. <laughs> uh, ironically, the first samurai we see. Yeah. Um, so an interesting uh, note about Hiro is uh, the fact that he is actually a trained samurai and all of his stunts he performs himself. So the reason that he's not necessarily typecast in, in these sorts of roles is because he brings an authenticity to the genre that he's applying himself to here. Yeah. Um, obviously fluent in traditional Japanese and modern Japanese and does his own stunts. I mean, he's a very valuable asset, asset you know, as an actor to have in these situations. Um, you know the old saying about knives and gunfire? Fights. And then my next note is Lasso's lol. That was fucking good. Yeah, I mean, it was funny. I mean, Lee Sizemore, he's a bit of a one-liner in this episode, isn't he? Like, mm. he's he's very much exposition in this episode in terms of he's always explaining everything about Shogun World. But then he also has these ridiculous comedy lines. That yeah. one that one did work for me. Beautiful way to watch the sunrise glistening off the intestines of the recently mutilated... Um, I think we've all travelled into work and felt like that, to be honest. But, um, I love that line. Um, can't you say something to them? I'm from Hong Kong, That's arsehole. genius. That's genius. So that... That was it, hilarious. It, yeah, and also a bit, you know... That's the best comedy... That's one of the best comedy lines of the episode. Great bants from uh, Felix and Sylvester as well. Yeah. An experience expressly designed for the guests who find Westworld too tame. We base this park on Japan's Edo period for the true aficionado of artful gore. Lovely stuff. Yeah. Um, pretty fucking cool, right? Very cool. And um, this is what I meant about Sizemore being the exposition of the whole episode, because th- later on, these lines get a bit tedious. Um, you know, at this point, I'll let it go that he's, <laughs> that he's literally telling us everything about it. Yeah. Um, later on, it starts to annoy me because we can see... But I understand that he has to explain to Maeve, etc. But, yeah, Sizemore, again. Maeve, you can speak Japanese. Use your voodoo magic. Um, unfortunately, that line is almost verbatim. Um, Hector and Armistice meet their doppelgangers. Um, Hector is jealous slash furious. Delirious. <laughs> um, yes, that is paint it black with the old-timey Japanese jive. Yes, I may have cribbed a little from Westworld. So, Lee Sizemore is an excellent parody of lazy Hollywood sequels slash writers. Yeah. Um, yeah. I- and, and I think that is probably worth kind of opening up to discussion. So, th- this is what I'm talking about uh, when I, I... I guess at the beginning of, of the pod when I spoke about parody. Mm. Um, now, that doesn't necessarily mean it's it's... I think it's genius, personally. Yeah, um, it's meta. It's very meta. Yeah, I love it. I, but it, yep. it just, for me, it doesn't 
constitute a productive episode to the plot is 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 my issue well i think let's talk about this heist scene um and there's an amazing video on reddit and you can find it on youtube as well which is um the heist scene from westworld and the heist scene here in shogun world but side by side yeah amazing yeah the level of detail is incredible um the meta conversation here about um Lee Sizemore saying, you know, he's just sort of plagiarised all these stories is, like John said, definitely a meta conversation on television at the moment and about how a lot of stories are just regurgitated, packaged up in different ways. But it's also an interesting comment on probably like culture and how we're all similar and we're not actually that different. Like all different cultures have the same stories. They just pack it up, package it up in different mythologies, different ways of telling stories throughout history. Yeah. Um, so that's very interesting. If you're going to be introduced to a new world like we are here in Shogun World. A whole new world. A whole new world. Yeah. I think that showing the most iconic scene probably from Sweetwater replicated here in the same town um, in Shogun World is yeah. an excellent way of introducing new characters. Um, so I couldn't think of a better way for them to do it. And the moment I heard Paint It Black come on, yeah, uh, I was like, yes, I need to see this. Mm. Bows and arrows, you know, sword fights. It was excellent. I was loving it. I'm much more interested in that sort of choreography and fighting anyway. Um, but I just think they nailed this part of the episode, in my opinion. Mm. Absolutely nailed it. Yeah, I think... Um- I think it's really interesting because it, you know, like you say, Lynn, it's about the the repetition of of storylines, and there is a theory that there are a handful of original stories. Seven, seven stories. Thank you for giving me the exact number. There are seven original stories in the world in which every book told for like vocally told story, TV show, film it is based upon, and it is just a, a reworking of these original tales. Yeah, and I really like from a you know slightly nerdy perspective, I really like that. The 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 choreography is awesome. The the f- um, archery skills on show are fantastic. Um, like even cooler than a, a Western shootout is a Japanese shogun shootout with with bows and arrows. Um, I think. I do. I did have a bit of a gripe when um, when uh, Sizemore says like, "Oh yeah, you you all have these skills buried somewhere in your code," which kind of just um, like summarizes part of the problem that I've had so far with with Westworld. In like, they're all they're all just vessels. They're all vessels for code, and they can just they're interchangeable. And that line just kind of. I don't know, it, it kind of consolidated that a little bit in my mind. So, Chaos ensues a la Season 1, uh, Episode 1. Town gets ransacked. Uh, Armistice saves her doppel G. Uh, Maeve convinces everyone to chill out, yeah? Uh, Akane, or Maeve 2, uh, agrees. Uh, some very dull dancing. Um, now, I'll let, I'll, I'll let it go that the music is quite cool. But this is one of many scenes in Shogun World that I'm just like, come on. That's I think that's a difference of maybe you're not appreciating. Maybe you prefer westerns, perhaps. Not even that, like no, like, but because honestly, like that sort of dancing and that sort of culture and sitting around, and I'm much more interested in that than right. the saloon at Westworld, for example. And that's I think a personal touchstone there. Totally agree. The authenticity of it is is spot on. Like that's that's what geishas do. Look, there are certain ways that you can convey that, and mm. I and look, I I am offended 
by the notion that I would prefer Studio. westerns. No, it isn't. One of my favourite films is Hero. I love that film. Mm-hmm. Um, well, no, it's that is that is like wondrous. I love it. Well, I think to echo your point there, John, you know, they couldn't pass up with this mirroring and everything with the, the, the Mary Poser. The Mary Poser and, uh, Ooh, don't you know? and and this place in Shogun World is that Westerns and like a lot of Kurosawa films are extremely similar. Yeah. Like they literally are just plucked and put into another location. Yeah. So they couldn't pass up the opportunity of these similarities with this section of the episode. Mm. Maeve looks bored, as am I. Hector's still angry. And Lee Sizemore, once again, looks ridiculous. Uh, hospitality is the foreplay to a new quest. Mm. Yeah? Yeah. Like we all that. feel that when we're playing video games. Yeah. Uh, Sizemore just called them doppelbots. Lol. From now on, I'll be calling them doppelbots. It's excellent. I really like doppelbot. I really like doppelbot. It's hilarious. In true video game style, a side quest walks through the door. Yes. It's called... Army of Blood. Good name. <laughs> Such a shit name. Oh, I like but, it. No, but I mean, it's great because it's, it's video shit. Ga- it's video gaming. Yeah, it's yeah, 100% yeah. video gaming. Yeah. But how shit does this um, this samurai that walks in look? Like, he looks like such a wanker, doesn't he? He's got stupid little face and you're like, well, this is clearly a bad guy. <laughs> Gaz, I thought you said, how fit does this samurai guy look? That is like, what he said. So Is it? Yes, we can edit that. The fit samurai uh, says... My boss wants a sweet lap dance from Sakura. All right. And then he goes, well, no, the Shogun wants a permanent lap dance from Sakura. Uh, and again, I've written the same note, which is, all right, Shogun Arados. <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, she refuses. Um, and now the line that he says afterwards uh, is brilliant. And he says, and I wish I could say this in, in, a, in an aggressive Japanese tone, uh, but I can't. But he says, when the Shogun asks for meat, he does not wish to hear the story of the cow. I love that. Yeah. <laughs> it's so good. Yeah. It's fucking great. Uh, he then gets stabbed in the eye. Yeah. Fucking brutal. Epic. <clears throat> it's pretty big. Like, this is where, because Lee Sizemore has just said at this point, like, oh yeah, she's just a geisha. She will. She has no choice but to hand her over. And then suddenly, she's like, in the eye. That's cool. <laughs> well done. Yeah. She's rebelling against her code. So fuck yeah, Akane. Yeah. And then Maeve says, "Looks like someone had a choice after all." Akane, who's a fan? I'm a big fan. She's um, beautiful and cool. I think she is an excellent new character, and I think the relationship between her and Sakura in this episode I know a lot of the guys here didn't really buy into it and didn't want to really be introduced to these new characters I loved it um yeah her expressions in this episode are arguably the best thing about this episode in the last scene um beautiful portrayal uh from her and she's a beautiful woman um and it was I actually think she's the probably the best thing to come out of the episode in my opinion I hope she sticks around um, with Maeve because their relationship is also great and I hope we get to see a bit more of them, you know, tra- traipsing around Shogun World and causing some havoc. Well, look, that might be like a mini... Because uh, for the most part, if you, if you watch the show, it looks like Maeve and Dolores are heading to some sort of uh, 
confrontation. Yeah. So look, so maybe this season will be by the end of this season, it will be um, it will be those two instead, Akane and yeah. uh, and Maeve. Yeah, I'd hope. I'd, I'd love like that. A, like a mini one. What do you think the um, Dolores doppelbot <clears throat> is like in Shogun World? Good question. That's uh, a very good question. Off making speeches somewhere. Yeah, <laughs> yeah just having a monologue at the cows. Kane is an awesome character, and um, I'm very much in love with her. Good. Um, Kane says, I've hired myself a Ronin. Yeah, boy. It's pretty good, isn't it? It's pretty cool, that, isn't it? My next line is, oh, shit, ninjos! <laughs> and I'm going to call them ninjos, because um, it's yeah has more effect. This is one of the cool things about um, Shogun World and about... Um, you know, samurai movies is samurais versus ninjas. Turn your weapon on your friends. Hashtag magic voodoo. Uh, Maeve uses some sort of Wi-Fi contactless voodoo mind magic to convince uh, the ninja, or in my notes, ninja, uh, to impale himself. Hmm. What'd you, uh, Lucy, what do you make of that? It reminded me of the standoff with Lawrence and the man in black against... Your mob, the Confederados, <laughs> and they all killed each other. Yeah. And also Bernard slash Arnold making the drone bots yep. kill themselves mm. in the dungeon bot. Yeah. Drone hosts. It's a similar sort of tech that Ford used prevalently in season one. He seemed to be able to control uh, the hosts. Not without, the company, Ford. Yeah. And not even uh, do anything mm. to make them stop. Raises some questions about Ford, for sure. But the whole uh, network has been seeded earlier this season. Mm. These are the Shogunarados men, uh, obviously. Uh, the Shogun army who never come into town, come into town. As I've mentioned earlier, the costumes are excellent. Yeah, good costumes. Uh, I'd love to be able to do this line justice, but um, uh, the irony being that the line begins justice. Um but I can't. So, Justice Tanaka, what does my old lieutenant know of such lofty ideals? Um, which is a great line. And then Musashi. <laughs> Musashi. And then Musashi. Uh, Hector, an armistice, stand alone. This is going to be such a cool last... Oh, no, they've lost already. <laughs> that lasted about five seconds. Yeah. I, I couldn't believe it. I didn't stand a chance. I was like, yeah, oh, here we go. Oh, what's he doing on the... Oh, it's over. Like, what is that? So, Maven crew escape. Now, uh, I'm going to open it up. Um, I'll open it up to the floor because, you know, we need to break this up. What do you think of this story thus far? Thus far, I was fine with it. Okay, um, cool, yeah. I found the Doppelbot aspect interesting um i wasn't aware of how long it was going to go on for i found the parallels between mave and akani also interesting um i didn't obviously as i say didn't realize it was going to take up the whole episode and Mm. kind of not drive the plot forward really at all but i was on board with it as we've said scenery um costumes everything was stunning Mm. and but what i was thinking at the time was a few episodes ago when we had um raj world we saw enough of it to be like intrigued, but it it produced a character that mo- is going to move <clears throat> a on. Little tease, wasn't it? Yeah, but we we managed. We saw Emily slash Grace, and we wondered, oh, who's she? That's that's intriguing. And she popped up again, and we found out who she was. Yeah, and it 
we got a teaser of an interesting looking world without needing all these new characters. Who knows what they're even going to do? Like, I don't even think they're going to maybe even have a part in the end game. I think it was pure showing off at the expense of narrative. Yeah. All right. So, I mean, look, the way the way this goes, I mean, this ends with uh, Mushashi, uh, Hector and Armistice being captured and they mm. don't appear again. Yeah, that was weird. So what's happened to them? Emma, what's happened to them? It's a really good point. I actually hadn't considered that, if I'm honest, because I got so caught up in the rest of this part of the episode, um, which is what I was just thinking about, Yeah, staring into space. Um, so I hadn't actually considered where they might be, but really interesting point. What the fuck has happened to them? Yeah. Because we just... So obviously means we're going to come back to that at some point. We're definitely mm. going to be back in Shogun World, <clears throat> uh, mm. assuming for a protracted length of time, mm. because otherwise it would just be a stupid move. What's the purpose in even capturing them? Because I hadn't really... Why would they not just kill them? Until you said that, I hadn't really thought about it. So I suppose without a rewatch at least, you know, once or twice, mm. maybe you don't pick it up. Hector looked pissed off. Like, like he was pissed off that they'd run away. I, that was the impression that I got um, and, and left him. Yeah, good point. Um, right, so uh, we move on. Uh, Lee Sizemore makes some excellent points. Uh, when uh, when chatting to Maeve, uh, he then goes and fucks it all up by going, "Why should we all get killed over a literal sex machine?" Present company excluded, of course. What's wrong with this guy? Like, I, I, and I think she explicitly says, "I could fucking snap your neck like nothing or whatever it is." Yeah. Um. Yeah, and I, I'm like, yes. Like he's taking the piss, man. He knows that she needs him, though. Barely. But she, mm. she does. He's pushing she his keeps luck. him around because she needs him to allegedly find her daughter, but they keep getting sidetracked. And, and then she's like, oh, yeah, by the way, about my daughter. It's like, yeah, mm. you need reminding because it's really fading from your view. <laughs> yeah, which which I agree with. But again, like when you make good points, don't fucking don't take the piss, you know? Mm. Um uh, so Maeve and Sizemore argue once again about ethics, morality, free will, free will and, and so on. Uh, oh, hold on. How did you do all that mind control voodoo stuff? Yes. You, you bring it up immediately. I don't know why he's waited a whole next day to mention that. Uh, I think I'm finding a new voice. Uh, and I wrote, it would be hilarious if that was literal. Good <laughs> day. Um, yes. Oh. Yes. Hello. Uh, Lee finds himself a little walkie-talkie whilst uh, taking a piss. Yeah, that was interesting. Yeah, what's going on there? Well, he's not learning his lesson, is he? He's causing more trouble for himself. Well, but he only goes for that walkie-talkie once. He he feels he's been quite like, look, if you want to go find your daughter, that's fine. But the idea of going into this fucking camp, camp is suicide. Yeah. What are you? What, I can't go that far. Yeah. So I mean, that's just his survival instinct, I guess. But anyway, uh, she then says, "Look, it's time to sell this ruse." Uh, so they go in. They go into the camp, and um, the shogun gets a cool little golden Funko toy. Yeah. yeah. So much like the one we're giving away on our on our Insta. So right. So then the shogun says. <laughs> You think I want crappy Funko toy? I've killed two thousand men. Ha 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 ha! Hold on, is he? Where's he from? <laughs> it doesn't matter where he's from, Lapland. right? It's buddy host. Peter Mullen again. Yeah. <laughs> and then my next line is cortical fluid. Yeah, because he's got a bit of that 
you know, come out of his ear. <laughs> when you did voodoo witch magic, I did ear close magic. Ha 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 ha. Now again, uh, this was fucked up. I quite like this guy. Uh, yeah, that was fucking horrendous, wasn't it? Uh, yeah. Emmy, you describe it as fucked up. Yeah. You... Yeah. Really fucked up. Like, <laughs> Is that it? Or... Closed up, weird, like webby, burnt off. I know. Ears like, so originally, when I first saw Hideous. it, I thought he just cut their ears off. But then yeah, on the second view, and he's burnt. Burnt, he's burnt melted them, them. Melted them closed. Which is fucking rank, obviously. Yeah, honest. I mean, how are they all letting him do that? Uh, he then says quite a cool line uh, to Akane. Uh, he says, uh, when a lesser soul would have fled the kingdom, you chose to tempt the dragon, which is quite cool. Mm. Another Game of Thrones reference. Mm. Yeah, whatever. Uh, <laughs> you can have Sokora if you dance for me. <laughs> um, so again, uh, I mean, this is getting quite annoying uh, covering this guy. Um, I like him. Now, this next bit, uh, I mean, I guess uh, Len and, and Gaz and, and maybe Emma. I think this is going to upset some of you. So we get a, a scene with Akane and Sakura having a moment mm. uh, that I've written, I absolutely could not give a flying fuck about. Really? Yes. I mean, you, you are right. It's annoyed me already, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. So um, Furious. I'm also annoyed. I thought the attender emotional scene <laughs> in the tent between uh, Sakura and Akane with Maeve looking on and then finishing the speech that Akane gives was very poignant. Mm. Um, it plays the sort of, you know, similarities between Akane and Maeve. And that is the moment which really sells the relationship of Sakura and Akane, but also the moment where Maeve offers freedom to Akane, <laughs> she 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 with wireless, her with her new wireless. with her new wireless powers, she she, <laughs> she does she sort of hones into Akane and, and Akane says no, I don't want to be free, mm. I'm I'm happy with my loop here. Mm. That's basically what she's saying there. Luke so Skywalker. This scene is extremely important and it also really adds to the gut punch that comes about five minutes later. So yep, yeah, so Maeve scrambles Akane's mind, but she goes out Akane and Sakura. Get ready to do a little bit of dancing. A little bit of diddly dancing. Um, I notice the dance begins. Dance. And then we get a... <laughs> you look great, but one detail. I kill you now. <laughs> um, so Akane holds it together. Uh, Sakura's been uh, absolutely mullered. Uh, she's dead. Um, but Akane dances to some hip-hop sound. Yeah. Uh, and my next note is, Akane ain't nothing to fuck with. Cash so, everything around me. Yeah, yeah. song is is cream by the wu-tang clan um another absolutely genius um uh, i guess Edition. rendition yeah. from ramandwadi uh, you've sliced my head in half <laughs> that's about any sense because his head's in half obviously that was awesome it was it, that was horrific um and amazing but how did he not see that coming? It needed some cortical fluid. She has spikes in her hair. Like, come on. <laughs> Maeve breaks out some voodoo magic. Uh, not sure why that didn't happen earlier, but, you know, let it go in that. Uh, everyone starts killing everyone. Overpowered now, though, isn't she? This reminds me of when 
like Len got to level 100 on everything on Skyrim and was just walking around just blowing everything up. That was yeah. a, that. Do you, know, but do you know how many hours that took me? That took me over two hundred and fifty hours, Gaff. I've earned that moment. Yeah, but how long's how long's it taken Maeve to get to this point? How many years has she? That been? is true. Yeah, 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 yeah. So then, um, I think it's Sizemore that says, "What do we do now?" I can't remember. Um, but then Maeve says, "I told you, I found a new voice. Now we use it." Now, obviously, she doesn't say in that voice, um, <laughs> but I wish she had done because of the literal stuff. Um, and that's it. That, that's that's how the scene ends. Um, Gaz, uh, because you you love this so much, why don't you kind of give me your overall thoughts on on how that all played out? The the Shogun <laughs> and uh, his horrendous death, and then the uh, very convenient super special powers. Yeah, that's that's what I'm concerned about. I guess I, I am worried about that. I'm in a, an interesting position where I am a bit less enthusiastic about how the season has gone so far overall but very enthusiastic about this episode and i think that this that this kind of contains both bits both elements and explains why i feel both ways um and all the cool stuff with samurais killing each other in the background um was nice that death was horrific of the uh, the shogun Goodness yeah. me! And then he he sort of stands up, doesn't he? Great. Yeah. Mm. I was like, "What is happening?" It's like when you chop the head off a chicken. Mm. <laughs> but then, at the same time, it contains a what I see as a bit of a problematic um, development in the in the overall story, and that is Maeve becoming some sort of goddess, like she just totally overpowered and can do what she wants. I think it comes down to her philosophy, which um, is getting her out of a tight situation here um, in terms of the fact that they would have died if they yeah. hadn't, she hadn't used her power here. Mm. But even with the army approaching her, I don't believe that she's going to tell them to kill or kill themselves. I think that she might be recruiting them or giving them an option of, of like she tried to make a carne sentient. She might use this power for good. Whereas Dolores obviously would use this power in a negative light, potentially, at this point. Mm. So I think it's all about her philosophy white at this hat, stage. White hat, black cat. Well, exactly. White hat, black hat. <laughs> With hosts. Yeah. Yeah. Well, look, I mean, irrespective of my uh, my feelings on, on this episode, um, I have to say I'm very excited to move on to the very popular, uh, somewhat silly at points, um, but very accurate thus far, mm. uh, Len. And here's Crazy Reddit Theories. So uh, welcome to another edition of Theory Corner, which so far has, um, you know, been sort of right at times. Last week, we <laughs> nailed a couple. So I think you've been spot on for the most part. Yeah. Right? You, and you I, do yourself a discredit. Yeah. I mean, we're trying. We are trying. Um, but I've got some more theories for you today. Yay! Uh, obviously. Um, the first <laughs> one... That would be all prepared. Yeah, that would be a terrible pre- preparation. Um, the first one is um, after some rumpy-pumpy... 
between uh, between get course. Yeah, between T T and D as I call them in my notes, Teddy and Dolores. Um, sidebar: Congratulations to Teddy finally popping his Dolores virginity. Respect, respect Poppy. on that front. Been waiting thirty-five years. Um, um, this 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 theory, by the way, has been around since um, season one. Uh, and at the end of season one, and also the season two trailer that was released, mm-hmm. um, and that is that the someone that people think that by the end of the epi- uh, this season there will be a successful uh, reproduction from the hosts, is in they they will be able to procreate. Um, so let's run through the supporting evidence for this. Mm. Um, okay. If people have noticed, which I'm sure everyone has, the title sequence this season is different. Mm. Um, last season, the title sequence had uh, two hosts having sex and um, uh, someone riding a horse and shooting or whatever. Uh, you know, <laughs> so, Western yeah, stuff. Pay, yeah, paying attention um, to the rest of it. Uh, this season uh, focuses very much on a sort of mother and baby figurine. Um, uh, so people are thinking that is a bit of a hint as to what the theme of the season is. You know, they only change the title sequence to, you know, mean something. Also, yeah. you know, the host is submerged in water this time, similar to the hosts that we see in episode one. Buffaloes. So Yeah, and there's the buffaloes. And, Buffalo soldiers, yeah. Yeah. So uh, there's a bit of uh, evidence with that. Um, the guy who creates the title sequence also said this. I think there will be some real rewards for people as the season plays out. This is in relation to the title sequence. Yeah. Um, they'll start to really be able to realise what this, what that means and its place within the titles. So he's kind of saying, look, we don't just do it for the sake of it. There is actual meaning behind yeah. each of these images. But that sort of annoys me in a way that you would say well, that. Well, you know, something slipped through the net, John. So I mentioned the season uh, two trailer. Um, the... The music used in that trailer was Heart Shaped Box uh, by Nirvana. And that is from the album In Utero. So that's got a bit of, uh, you know, symbolism there as well. But And they never do things by mistake. You know, the Westworld producers <laughs> and showrunners. Not I know what you're doing, John. You've linked that to pregnancy. Not true. Um, <laughs> um, Clever, though, isn't it? So, guys, just open it up to the fact that you think by the end of the season, the hosts will have a baby. A baby. Um, so if somebody said to me uh, a couple of episodes ago that they thought and that there was a theory rolling around that the woman with the baby in the title sequence was Maeve. Yeah, yeah. I told you that. Yeah. It was John that told me that. That annoys me. Some loser. So let's. And I said, I'm not really sure if I believe it, but you showed me comparative pictures. How does that affect well, this theory? Like, do- I like this theory. It doesn't affect. It does affect it because. Um, this ties into the popular theory from last year. This is a se- this is a theory from last season, which is that Maeve's daughter is her actual daughter. Whoa! Which would explain a lot. And that's and why she cares. And that's why she cares because mm. she was the first successful host to procreate, um, oh. and that is why she cares so much. Now I don't know whether I buy into that theory. I think it's got a lot of problems, but it's interesting. And it does feed into that theory that we've just mentioned. Can I give a bit of a critique um, of the theory? Because I thought the same thing when when watching it and when when they were getting it on. I thought, hmm, could this be the baby that appears in the title sequence? However, having thought about it a little bit more, do you reckon they would be as explicit as that? Like, are they really going to be as literal as, oh, look, it's a pregnant host. That means there's going to be a host that has a baby. And 
is the guy who's making the title sequence going to say, you know, I think it's all going to make sense by the end if it's just a host having a baby? Like, that makes sense straight away. You're like, well, that's a pregnant host. Maybe it's more of a, um, like, a metaphorical pregnant host in, or, or historical or something, but I reckon maybe that's that's a better theory um, that, that it could be that Maeve's daughter is her real daughter. I think that kind of... Uh, blurs the lines and obscures it a little bit more and seems a bit more Westworld. Yeah, I mean, you're not wrong and and we're not right. So uh, whichever way we look at it, it's a guess at this stage. Uh, I, I do I do dislike the theory, but I think it could happen. Um, I have several issues with the procreation. Um, we don't know enough about the host in a workings to understand how that would work in any way, shape or form. Um it would make them definitely the most superior race on the planet if they could do that. Let's put it that way. I mean, yeah, if they terrifying. could, if they, if that is a terrifying prospect for humans. Um, so I'm sure be yeah, well, um, but yeah, I'm, I think it might be true, but I don't love the theory. But what I was thinking, cause I was thinking this the other day, um, thinking about the kids in the, uh, in the show. <laughs> no, but you've got Maeve's daughter. You've got, um, Lawrence's daughter. No, yeah. let me finish. Is it like Go The on, Simpsons the where kids. they're just eight forever? It's like it's always Bart's 10th birthday. Really good question. Are they born as babies and they grow to an age? Like, how are they yeah, How are they made? Well, I suppose that opens up the question that uh, most of the hosts do not age. They are mm. cloned as yeah. you know, yeah. 3D printed. Mm. I've been doing a lot of research in the last week about human cloning. <laughs> interestingly Jesus um, and actual human clones and this will go back to things in Westworld are created from DNA into mm. an artificial embryo that is grown in a surrogate womb in utero in utero exactly Gareth um, so an actual human clone mm. if it were allowed and not banned in 46 countries worldwide um, not North Korea though no not North Korea do they want over there yeah, yeah. Um, it could could grow it could be a, a more developed half human half host hybrid reproduced baby embryo that grew mm. it started off really <clears> smart <throat> then and just ended up like yeah. a no, look, I, tit uh, right. you get my point though yeah I feel like I have to say uh, there's been a couple of references to real daughter I don't think she has to have reproduced her in the uh, in the sense that we ascribed to for her to say that that's her real daughter yeah i agree um i'm not a fan of that and and if that's the only reason why i i I would hate the idea that that they could reproduce um for for me uh and not to sound too much of a pont but it's more beautiful for her to have that attachment to Mm. her not having reproduced i agree with that i agree with that john the next theory is a shout out to some people on Facebook. Um, this is referring to the little red ball of consciousness that we were all discussing last week. I think they're calling them red apples. Red apples. Yeah, red apples of apples. consciousness. Um, and now John didn't like any of the options that we threw out last <clears throat> week. Um, so John, I've got Gluten one. Free. I've got one for you this week. Um, some uh, of our, you know, people who replied to some of our Facebook posts said that um, hundreds of thousands. Charlie of might actually be, in fact, in the red little ball. Charlie is Bernard or Arnold's son, or his cornerstone. Bernie. So this opens up some interesting uh, possibilities for Bernard. Now we were big fans of the Arnold consciousness being in the red ball and that completing Bernard and turning him into Arnold. Mm. Um, 
But it would actually be maybe more powerful if it was in fact Charlie and it fulfilled Bernard in a sense that he would be able to get his cornerstone, someone who he has grieved over mm. day after day back into his life as a reward at the end of this ridiculous game that Ford has him playing. Mm. Who created um, Charlie as the red apple of consciousness? What do you mean? Well, I don't know, who put him in there? Was it Arnold? Well, probably Ford. Ford, yeah. Well, it was a legitimate question. Oh, right, Ford, probably. No, yeah, yeah, Ford, yeah. <laughs> yeah, Ford. I was sitting there thinking... Because I'm, I'm sitting there thinking, I'm wondering whether it would have been a surprise to Arnold Bignard. Or... Surprise! He dead sons an apple! Or, yeah. or whether he knew... Here's an apple. ...that it had been done. Yeah, well, you know, I don't think he would have known it's been done. I think this is mm. something that Ford is maybe trying to give something or restore a piece of Arnold. Like we said, we nice. felt it was his biggest mistake. Um, not necessarily. It could be quite beautiful for also, Bernard to be reunited with host robot, Charlie. So, you know, um, it'll be all right. So that's a little short one. There's not much evidence on that. Just a sort of, just out there. It's interesting though, isn't it? Um, I don't know if I'd, uh, I don't know if I'd be happy with that. To be honest, but um, it's not up to you, is it? Oh, fair enough. Would Bernard be happy with it? Yes. I don't know if he would. He might be a bit would confused. Would he? I don't know. I think he might go. Ah, kill. He yeah. might, real he son, might just kill it? it. Mental Bernard. Yeah. Well, it is if it's his consciousness. Um, oh, all right. Though. Well, let's uh, now let's just touch base on a few theories that we've mentioned in previous weeks, and re- re- we have to keep doing this and, and reference new evidence yep. to these theories. Mm-hmm. Um, the first one is the swap brains in hosts and then the bodies being placed in the water. That is pretty much now looking extremely likely with yeah. the revelation of virgin brains in a third of the host. Indeed. So let's run with that at the moment and say that's like an 80% possible theory at this stage. Yeah. Agreed. So that's good. Um, on top of that, we have the um, Bernard Loop theory, mm-hmm. um, which also has more evidence this week because Strand says that's quite a story you gave him and one hell of an ending how did all these disparate threads come together to create this nightmare if we figure that out we'll know how the story turns now you could take that one of two ways Mm. Um, the way I'm taking it is they're making him live through this loop over and over again to try and jog his memory to find out what happened Um, so that I feel is another little string to the bow of the Bernard Mm. Loop theory yeah but you could also look at these scenes as a supporter of the Bernard is Teddy theory. Um, mainly because of the way, if you notice and watch the scenes, um, Bernard looks at Teddy's body for a very long time. <laughs> His naked body. <laughs> it's the bum though, isn't it? It's the bum. It's the bum. Well, he's seen what we've seen. So, um, it That could be a little bit of foreshadowing, the way he literally stares at Teddy's corpse being thrown onto the pile of corpses. It could be the Teddy and Bernard meshed consciousness or the Teddy host brain inside Bernard. So there's also a little bit of evidence for that theory now as well. Um, basically, um, there's more evidence all the time, guys. Every episode, we're getting a little bit more clued in as to what's going on. It's very um, interesting. Yeah. That's, look, that's good writing. Like, yeah, yeah, good writing. It's not like massively right. obvious and you're yeah. intrigued. That's good. Yeah, good writing. good writing. It's all open. It's all up in the air. Um, but that's it this week uh, for Theory Corner. Cheers, Theory mate. Corner. All right, cheers, mate. Um, 
some uh, some good theories, some mental ones. I like the one about um, Teddy's bum. Yeah. Obviously, uh, Gareth, you've somehow managed to get yourself uh, a segment on this uh, <laughs> on this podcast uh, where segment. you um, where you identify the uh, the worst line of the episode. Worst line of the week could be the way it's written or the delivery. Uh, so, Gaz, why don't you give us your worst line of the episode? All right. So, um, this isn't a delivery problem. Delivered very well, um, but. I'll, uh, I'll, I'll, do you know what? I'm going to do it in the original Japanese to start with, and then I'll translate. Name senda binaru. Sorry, is that the end of it? <laughs> well, don't interrupt the line. Oh, sorry, I thought you finished. Go, right, go on then. Name senda binaru oroku se shinaki. All right, and uh, the translation for that is: This is not your fight. I know. It's ours. All <laughs> <laughs> right, okay. The reason that that's the worst line of the week is that has that is one of the cheesiest lines I have ever heard on a TV show. But it does sound very cool in in Japanese, good point. doesn't it? it? Sounds good in Japanese, especially with my delivery. Yeah, so that was <laughs> that was worst line of the episode from Gaz. You're not you're not getting music. Uh, if you have enjoyed listening, do review, share, and subscribe. To the hosts of Westworld, we are on iTunes, Spotify, and all major podcasting apps. It's also worth noting our parent podcast, Fan Critical. Yay! All, yeah, all woo. Also on the major platforms, we discuss other TV shows like The Walking Dead. Emma, give us a zombie. What? <laughs> okay. That sounded like something completely different. Uh, Gaz, can you give us a Game of Thrones impression that isn't just Jon Snow going, Oh, come here, lad. Uh, do you want my Daenerys? If you want. Defo. <laughs> I know what's going to happen here. Hey, come here, dragon. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, good. Um, we also uh, have covered uh, the excellent uh, Black Mirror. Uh, Len, can you give us a, a, a monkey impression? Monkey needs a hug. Lovely stuff. And uh, and also Stranger Things. Um, Lucy, I'll let you come up with any Stranger Things impression. Papa? <laughs> That's quite sad. Uh, as well as major event movies like Avengers Infinity War. Bring me Thanos! Cool. Uh, Black Panther. Wakanda forever. Oh, God. Yeah, good. Uh, and we've also done Star Wars as well. Pew, pew! Yeah. Well, I mean, a porg, really. Yeah. I don't know about <laughs> um, And uh, in the next few weeks, we're going to be uh, covering Solo. Uh, that's not supposed to sound sexual. Um, as well as the excellent Deadpool 2. Um, so, guys, thanks very much. Um, Gaz, I know you want to uh, go on to your life in Australia. So, thanks very much, mate. Thanks, mate. See you. See you next week. See you, mate. Emma, see you, mate. See you later. Uh, Luce. Matane. Arigato. Oh, very nice. And Len. Yeah, cheers, mate. Back next week with more crazy theories. Crazy theories. And I've been your host, John. See you later, guys. Bye. Bye. See you later.
Did you know that most vitamin D3 supplements come from sheep's wool? I'm Kat, founder of Ritual. We're making traceability the new standard for the supplement industry. When I was pregnant, I couldn't find a multivitamin I could trust, so I created my own. Ours is made traceable, third-party tested, and clean label project certified. Oh, and our vitamin D3? It comes from sustainably harvested lichen from England, not sheep. Trace for yourself with 25% off at ritual.com slash podcast.